which of the two intriguing bits from the south side do we start with today i think that's like the the big general <laughs> question that chris and i had leading into the show because yeah there are two major major topics in addition to the one really we discussed yesterday and the day before about uh what ben roethlisberger had to say uh that are just ongoing right now and it feels like we are in week 14 of this season week 15 excuse me yeah and the Steelers are in a playoff spot as it sits at right now. And it feels like anybody would rather talk anything other than actual football at this stage. It, it's just, it's a weird time here on the yeah. South side beat. It's a weird time because like today feels like Friday. Um, it's just, it's weird. It, it's weird, man. I, I'm, I don't even know what to think anymore. <laughs> I don't this team's coming off of a record setting back to back, terrible weeks. It feels like Friday when it's really Thursday. I'm just yep. in a it's it's a it's a mind. It, yeah, it's screwing my mind right now. I can't uh, say certain words on here. Off of off of two <laughs> losses to two and ten teams, like it's just like or two win teams rather. It's just like this football game on Saturday matters a ton, not just for the Steelers. Yeah, And not just for the Colts. This means a ton with respect to the AFC playoff race. Yeah. This game is a massive domino in the entire big picture of who's in and who's out in the postseason. And again, as Chris Halleck joins me, Corey Chris, and every Monday through Friday here on the Southside Beat at 3 p.m. This, of course, uh, December 14th, a Thursday. Like it feels like we have more than just that game to discuss, and at the top of mind are T.J. Watt and George Pickens. Now, let's start with T.J. real quick because yep. we talked a little bit about him and obviously Alex Highsmith the other day. And T.J. Watt has been cleared from the concussion protocol. He will play on Saturday, but this is not your standard concussion protocol thing, um, as it, as it circulates throughout the course of an NFL season. Given the uh, just sheer procedure and how things looked from that perspective, when TJ plays 91% of snaps after what happened on the first play of the game last Thursday, some of those questions arise. And real quick, an injury report just dropped. Right as I got Whoop. to my point, right as Whoop. the show started too. Uh, two questionables for the Steelers. Well, first off, Kenny Pickett obviously out. Um, so Kenny Pickett out. And then Alex Highsmith. Still in the concussion protocol, but he practiced in full on Thursday, which is a big deal in terms of getting cleared from that concussion. He is questionable for Saturday. And then Isaac Sayamalo, who, who logged three DNPs, did not practice on Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday. He's also questionable, though I approached Sayamalo in the locker room today and asked him, hey, man, are you playing? And he said he'll be out there. So though he's listed questionable, Sayamalo says he'll play, but... Alex Highsmith is the other one that is also, uh, well, still, I guess, in the concussion protocol. And, you know, we'll obviously see with him. But, Chris, while I have this into the feed on uh, DKPittsburghSports.com, TJ gave some pretty strong words today about how things were handled within his concussion testing. And on, on Thursday with, you know, he gets tested. He told me, confirmed that he was tested for a concussion, cleared for a concussion on Thursday. But then he takes the smelling salts on the sideline. 
He comes in with the tinted visor. He still plays 91% of snaps. And the NFL is still looking into it. So, yeah, he's not going to get into specifics. That was the big thing today. He did not want to get into specifics of anything, but still quite a procedure that was circulating around TJ Watt this week. Yeah, it's just the whole thing is is really muddy. You know, it's funny. Like I was, um, I, I'm a nerd when it comes to like certain things and like learning certain info. So, like earlier today, you know, like when you're like, you know, taking a break for like to eat, like eat, you know, just grab a bite to eat or something like that. I, you know, I just I get into a YouTube hole and I started watching this like lawyer video of being like, okay, well, if you're innocent, why plead the fifth and all the reasons into it? And there's like legitimate question behind that, like why plead the fifth if you're innocent? And so. It's this situation is like, why not talk about specifics if there's nothing to hide? If everything was done according to plan, why, why be afraid to talk about it or why choose to not talk about it? It's probably the better way to put it. It's just, it's really, really curious. It's really interesting. Um, it's, it's, there are just are red flags all over the place, man. I, 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 I don't know. It's this, this whole thing is weird. Uh, the fact that he's not wanting to talk about it. Um, obviously the NFL and the NFLPA looking into it is not out of the ordinary. That's a, that's standard procedure. Um, you know, anytime a player gets put, gets put into the concussion, concussion protocol, there are, uh, policies and steps in place to, to double check, to make sure everything was done the right way as it should. Um, it's just weird, man. Uh, and this whole thing is weird. Um, I think we all have already kind of talked about how that entire situation went down and, how because of the way it went down, it all looks very sketchy. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I really don't have any answers for it. Like I really don't. And it's just, it just continues to be a real gray area, a real situation where we don't know answers when I think with something such as knowledge around concussions, we should have answers. Like there should be answers. There should be accountability mm-hmm. for this kind of stuff. Um, and Bob Bob brings up a, a, a good point when it comes to and, and yeah, there, there's like situations like like that YouTube video I was watching. It was like, well, guilty people have the right to not incriminate themselves. Th- that's correct. Like it. Like I'm not saying like the Fifth Amendment's not a good idea. I'm just saying like it's just it's curious to go into the reasons behind it. Like again, I'm a nerd and like to find out reasons for stuff like that or even if I already knew the reasons to hear maybe a different perspective, especially if it's from an actual lawyer, but like in this you know, particular case, when it comes to TJ and his concussion, it's just, again, I feel like there was more transparency, even whenever Kenny went, when he got concussed in a game and then played the next week, I felt like there was more transparency throughout that process than there is with this. Yeah. And, and that's where I, Anytime it seems like something's being hidden, there is reason to question, especially when it comes to something that that has been such a such a talking point and such a and the NFL has been in a lot of hot water for when it comes to denying concussions, denying head trauma, denying anything like that or trying to steer away, you know, steer away from the conversation of it. Anytime it's kind of there's kind of any kind of hush hush done about it, it's just it makes it very, very curious, very, very interesting. And I think people should be asking questions. Well, when it comes to something like this, you don't want to leave any stone unturned, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that the the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, so to speak. And look at the Highsmith situation, okay? Highsmith got banged up. I believe he played 17 snaps. 
got banged up, neck injury it was described as, in the press box and via official team PR. Neck injury he left the game with, and then he didn't come back, mm-hmm. and then he entered the protocol Friday morning. But the yeah. difference between Highsmith and Watt is that Highsmith didn't come back into the game. He was done from the moment he went down. Yep. So that's why there, this isn't really a big issue, so to speak, when it comes to Alex Highsmith, who, by the way, again, in case you missed it, uh, injury report dropped at the beginning of the show. Highsmith still in the concussion protocol and is considered questionable. Uh, he can but be he did, cleared. Yeah. Yes, he can be cleared, but, and he did practice in full uh, today on Thursday. And then Isaac Sayamalo is also questionable. He did not practice all week, although he told me today uh, that he's going to play. But this isn't the same case with Highsmith. Highsmith, again, it's an independent neurologist situation. Yeah. You know, got looked at ruled out for the game now in game it was described as a neck injury that he was ruled out with and then he entered the protocol friday so it could have been a neck injury then he developed symptoms but regardless it sounds like it's 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 just the concussion right now they're not listing neck as part of the issue for highsmith yeah well and and i mean anybody who knows anything about like other like concussions in other sports or concussion symptoms in other sports obviously Sidney crosby uh is uh <laughs> a focal point and at least in the hockey community when it comes to that, because of the <clears throat> amount of time he missed in his career because of the David Steckel hit in the winter classic. And um, that was technically like neck issues. Like the, he had like certain issues going on with his neck that was causing the recurring cu- concussion symptoms. And so like anything to do with the head or neck, especially if it is causing concussion symptoms to take place, like th- that's, that's like, it, that's legitimate stuff. Like you have to, you have to be very, very careful with that stuff. And it actually would not surprise me at all. If um, it would not surprise me at all. If, if, um, if Alex doesn't play and, and spice creations brings up a, a you know, a, a good counterpoint to this and, and should be part of the discussion. She says, you know, maybe TJ passed all the tests on the sideline. Maybe he did. Maybe he did, but they, it just goes to question. Like, Again, this is just part of the conversation. I'm not trying to be like, oh, well, I'm going to um, – I'm just going to be a, a conspiracy theorist and I'm not going to believe anything that's told to me. It's just, okay, if he passed all the tests, why is he needing to use smelling salts? Why is he needing a tint advisor to play? Tint advisor suggests – suggests, not saying it. it is because of this – suggests, especially during a night game, that he was having light sensitivity issues. That is a symptom of a concussion. Like, even if you passed tests, I mean, like anybody who, okay, I'm going to go into the wrestling industry now. CM Punk talked about like WWE's, uh, WWE's uh, concussion pr- uh, test protocol before, said he used to pass tests while listening to his headphones. Like, that's not a concussion test. Like, what is the basis of the test? Like, what what's going on? Those right. are just questions that need to be asked. I'm not, I'm not speculating. I'm not being conspiracy theorist. It just should, it should be part of the conversation when we're talking about concussions and getting player and keeping players safe more than anything. That is mm-hmm. the thing. That is the, the, the main focal point here. And there is enough evidence to suggest maybe we need to be talking about this more and, and, and maybe we should be okay. Questioning. I agree with that. Now, again, today, TJ talking about it, he said he was cleared on the sideline. And, yeah. and I, the very next question after he said that I go, were you cleared for a concussion? And he said, yes. So he, I, he didn't specify it originally, but I made him, well, I didn't make him, but I asked him to, um, I asked him to, and, and he said, you know, he was cleared for a concussion on the sideline. 
So it's possible. Okay. We're not saying like anything nefarious definitely happened. The NFL is still investigating it. Yeah. But it's possible that he was cleared for the concussion and then did the smelling salts to help put the visor on to help in case anything arose Mm -hmm. or in case he was still feeling. But again, if he's feeling any of those symptoms, then he should not have been cleared. Yeah. But as a precaution, then okay. Then, you know, he could do that. So the NFL is going to come out with any kind of finding when they do it. There's no timetable for them to, to finish this up. So we're going to see what happens with TJ. He's just, Again, the the tenor, if you will, of his press conference today, which lasted all of like two and a half minutes, mm-hmm. was like, I'm focused on the Colts. Like, I'm not getting the specifics of what happened. I'm focused on the Colts. Yeah. Which is fine. So he's going to play. We'll see how he looks. We'll see how, you know, if he's affected by anything. Um, and then obviously we'll see on Alex Highsmith as well, who is, as of this stage, questionable and is still in the concussion protocol. Yeah. All right, the next big point from today was George Pickens for me. And um, I found this intriguing. Like, uh, you know, you know how the locker room is. They have a backdrop set up in there. And Patrick Peterson went over to the backdrop, and I talked to Pat P on Friday. So, in effect, I spoke to him in between these games. So I didn't really need to hear more from Pat P, although I love hearing him speak. But I kind of peeked over on the other corner of the locker room, and, and George Pickens is – holding court a little bit with a, hmm. with a couple other reporters. So I go over there and get the camera rolling. And, you know, we're talking to George about the losses over the last couple and the frustrations because Mike Tomlin talked about the frustrations on Monday and how they're not solution oriented and how, you know, these are, these are solution. These are, these are frustrations that are coming out without anywhere to go essentially. And, you know, Pickett's talked about that, about, you know, why he is frustrated and the way that he put it. Okay. And -hmm. I need to know from you, Chris, from those that are listening live, if you buy this or not, George Pickens said, you know, about dealing with frustrations and talking with Mike Tomlin about them quote, it ain't really fun losing. Know what I'm saying? I don't even know like what reaction that you guys would expect from somebody to lose. If you lose in a video game, I'm pretty sure somebody gets mad. That's in part. And then, he was asked to clarify. So your frustrations are on losing and not a lack of getting the football. And he responded with quote, we lost two games back to back to two win teams. I think that's actually what happened. So, yeah. And then I asked him like, do you think this is fair? The way that you're being covered, like the way that, you know, are people being overcritical? Are they overextending their boundaries? Are they looking too much into this? Mm. And he's like, "I I just let people talk like that's their profession. Um, but, you know, we lost two games in a row. So that's what he's saying. But I can't help but to think about the in-moment reactions. To me, there was one that stood out to me from the Patriots game, and I can't remember the specific play, but TLDR, here's the field. He's over here. Mitch looks over here. And Pickens immediately has a reaction to like, Oh, like, why can't he, why isn't he looking at me? Why isn't he getting the ball? That's not being frustrated with winning or losing. That's being frustrated with getting the ball. So yes, he might be frustrated about losing, but I don't buy for a second, to be honest with you, that he's not frustrated about not getting the football. Yeah. It's, 
Jamon, you know, you're late to that, by the way. <laughs> we, we, already, we already talked over the injury report. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, the, the, this is this is um, I, again. I, this is going to be one of those situations where, I, again, I'm not I'm not making excuses for the players. I'm I'm not. I'm really really not. So please, like, understand that whenever I say this, like. But I almost like I, I kind of empathize with the frustrations because this is a really really frustrating offense. It's a it's a it's a it's a outdated offense. That's the best way I can put it. A lot of people say bland. Like no, like it's not. It's not the most bland offense. It's just there's just nothing special about it. There's nothing. Um, I agree with you. By the way, it's it's, out, it's it's just it's outdated. Like you have you have a bunch of mirrored concepts, especially in the red zone. Like that that that, that doesn't test defenses in the NFL nowadays. You're running a bunch of a bunch of mirror, and especially when you run a mirrored concept out of a static formation, my God! Like, or 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 you're running curls and hitches out of static formations. Like, you're not doing anything to test the defense. You're literally just running out ten yards, turning around, and if you're doing that against man, like you're you're giving your there's there are no solutions to that, and it's just you know. And then the quarterback isn't isn't reading the, uh, the the play maybe the way the way the receivers are thinking and then again again if that's the case if the receiver's thinking maybe he should be looking to my side if he like if the receiver's looking at the coverage he's like okay I should be the first or second read here or she he should be at least looking to my side and then if the quarterback looks to the other side why is the receiver getting frustrated is that coaching is that the quarterback like again it, these are these are questions. I need to be asked because everything is disjointed when it comes to this offense. And so whenever that is the case and this offense is, is bad as a whole, there's a lot of reason to be frustrated, whether it is because you're losing or because your route tree on targets looks the way it did against the Patriots. Sure. You have every right to be frustrated. Now, now I, I get it. Like I get what Mike Tomlin's saying. Like maybe the frustration needs to be done in a little bit more, you know, solution oriented way. Like I, I kind of understand that, but this is, this is the NFL, man. Like if you can't get an offense out there that, that is, that is willing. If the, if the report is true about the Cardinals, the Cardinals yelling and screaming about how the Steelers suck and about how easy that, how easy it was for them to do what they did. That's a problem, man. Cause that Cardinals team is not a good football team. It, it, it's not. I saw nothing from that from from even that game that made me think that you know what that's a better team than the record says. No, that's a bad football team. Sorry, it just is. They have a couple of special things going. That's about it. It's not a good football team, and they made the Steelers their uh, a word again. Word I can't say on here. Friends. Uh yeah. It's just I I, I the frustrations are 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 are. And and you know George, I think is is trying to do the right thing by by saying you know whether it's just lip service for for the media, it's fine. That that actually is probably a good thing. If if he if he really d- does feel a different way, and he's not saying it, good, good, like 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 good. That that actually shows maturity because a player should not just be going to the media and shout you know and just you know running off at the mouth saying whatever. Every single time that, that, that would be bad. That would be bad for the locker room. It'd be bad for the team. It'd be bad for, for the team's culture. 
it's good for guys to get in front of the media and to kind of, you know, give some lip service and kind of BS their way through it. And if that's the case, then good for him. Cause that actually shows a little bit of maturity there. I agree with you from the standpoint of, I would be frustrated if I was George as well. I would not be happy with the production and in the system that I'm put in. Remember, like I think theme of the week here has been the system and like the system of this offense doesn't benefit anybody. It really doesn't. Even the running backs that it tries to benefit, it still doesn't benefit them. So like it's not necessarily a player thing all the time. Oh, Sometimes it really is a trickle down effect. Sometimes it really is a a bleed over, so to speak, from just literally. And I'm not going to overcomplicate this. Running Matt Canada's offense. Yeah. That this is all George Pickens knows. This is all George Pickens has been accustomed to when it comes to being an NFL wide receiver. And look, yeah, if he's frustrated with losing, that's because he never did it in college or rarely did it in college. He's a national champion. He's a national champion in college. Yeah. He doesn't know losing. George Pickens doesn't, and he's very young. And you know what you do at a very young age? You struggle sometimes with losing. So I get it. I empathize with him to a certain extent. I really do. And he's asked to do, I'm not going to say a lot, because he's a professional and he should be able to handle what he's asked to do. That is That is professional football. But I will say that he is... Again, we talk about with this whole thing with what Ben Roethlisberger said about the the way of the Steelers being gone. He doesn't understand that either. He will never understand that because he didn't play with those guys. Yeah, he's not going to have Heinz Ward in his ear every day. That's not how this works. He is in under a different umbrella. George Pickens is under a different view. And when you have a guy that is as talented as him, and he's not getting targeted the way he should be and with the frequency that he should be, then yeah, he's going to be upset. He's not going to be happy. And he's not, it's not just about the losing. It's about the stuff that he denied in a way. Yeah. And he didn't, and he he didn't, you know, outwardly go like, it's not that at all or anything, but he, he pivoted to say that it's about the losing. So like, look, if he's going to be frustrated about losing, everybody is in that locker room. That's how sports work. That's how this works. But then, Again, it's that other layer. This is an onion. This isn't like an apple where you cut and you see the core right away. This is an onion. There are so many layers to this entire topic of the offense's maturity and the way it operates and who the leaders are and all of this stuff. And yeah, part of it is the coaching staff trickling down Mm -hmm. and part of it is the player-led component of it as well. Um, Just really, really quick. I got to get out in front of this. Mark said Big Ben is under fire, was under fire from Skip Bayless this morning on Undisputed, saying that he blamed Ben for the current situation, not retiring sooner. Listen, of all the people to listen to when it comes to the Steelers situation, Skip Bayless is the very last person on this planet to be listening to anything he has to say about the Steelers. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I, I actually saw it's funny. Like I was scrolling through YouTube this morning and I saw a preview of the video of Skip Bayless and Michael Irvin talking about this situation. And I'm like, those could not be the two worst people to be talking about this right now. You have Michael Irvin, who's a, a cowboy for life. And you have Skip Bayless, who is just I have a lot of choice words for him that I won't say on here. Um, no. I won't. Um, but he is the last person to be talking about this situation. You want to hear from, from the right people on the situation, listen to people who have actually spent some time on the South side, whether it be as a player, as a coach, 
um, as a reporter, anything as a, even a columnist, even if they're, you know, kind of, you know, disagreeable at times, but still somebody who's at least spent some time over there, not skip Bayless. Um, And when it comes to the whole, like Ben not retiring sooner, I would even put that just as much on the Steelers for not having a plan for when Ben retired. You got to have a plan. You know, the Packers have had a plan for a quarterback leaving multiple times. They had a plan for when when Brett Favre was going to leave. They had a plan for when Aaron Rodgers was going to leave. Steelers didn't do that for Terry Bradshaw. They didn't do that for, for, for Ben Roethlisberger. I, that's on, that's also on the Steelers. That that's not just on Ben. And right now, I think if you were to choose between Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, if you had to win a game, win one game, I'm not talking about long-term stuff. If you had to win one football game and you had to choose between Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, or big Ben right now, I would still probably go with big Ben right now. I, I I I think it's at least debatable at that point. So let, let let's let's not just completely put that on Ben. Let's also talk about the fact that the Steelers didn't properly prepare for that. They need to they needed to prepare for life after Ben. They didn't do that. Um. Yeah. And 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 that does also go into this whole culture talk that's been such a such a a wide topic this week because when you lose back to back games to two and ten teams and they're playing with absolute with no urgency, no fire or, or anything. And you have people who are in that locker room now kind of questioning, like what's going on. It's worth a discussion, which is why we've been talking about it all week. Yeah. I mean, I know I don't really have much more to say other than like Ben can say what he wants to say and he can hide behind the microphone now, but I, with all due respect, I just don't know if he's one to talk in this situation. That's just how I feel about that. Yeah, Again, I, mean, I don't think he's absolved from a lot of stuff that he did here. Um, and again, if we want to talk about leadership, like let's not let revi- revisionist history take us too far. Yeah. So I think we can just leave it at that. Um, tomorrow, by the way, we will have a show still. Uh, DK and I are traveling to Indianapolis uh, tomorrow evening. So we will have time uh, for this show. And of course, the Ramon Foster show to follow us at four o'clock. Um, I think tomorrow will be the day where we dive more into the actual game uh, because there is still a football game to be played, and it's a big one. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's one that has serious implications when it comes to the AFC postseason picture, and I don't think it's far to say that if the Steelers lose this, then this Uh, kind of thing can crumble the entire season as far as getting into the postseason. I think this could be the domino, the -hmm. pendulum, so to speak, even – that swings one way or another, depending on a, a win or a loss. And I think we could talk more about that. Yeah. Frank, it is a playoff game. As he says, yeah. it I definitely mean, it, is. It really is because like you look at these last four games, you could probably afford to lose one and finish 10 and seven. But if of all these four games, you can't lose this one. You, you might be able to get away with losing to the Bengals or the Ravens. You might be able to get away with that. You're kind of playing with fire. If you do, you lose to, you lose this one to the Colts. That's a that's a major problem. Because mm-hmm. not only does it count against your conference record, it automatically gives the Colts a tiebreaker over you. And it again, that could also impact where the Texans fit into all this too, because the Texans obviously beat the Steelers earlier this this year, so they have a head to head tiebreaker. Yeah. 
and I can say this too. I I listen to uh, Sirius XM in the morning, and there's a radio host that I really like, and he go he basically said, "Get them off my TV. I don't want to see the Steelers play anymore." <laughs> Which, from a national perspective, I get it. Yeah, I get it. You don't want to see this team in the postseason from that yeah. perspective. Um, so what do I think of the Colts state? I'll tell you this, Randy. He asked what I think of the Colts stadium. Chris has actually been to the Colts stadium for an NFL game. And, and the combine. the combine, yeah. I've been there once, but it was for a college game. It was the Big Ten Championship between Michigan and Iowa a couple of years ago, and I really liked the stadium. So uh, the stadium is awesome. I love the town. I'm actually very, very jealous of both uh, DK and Corey for getting to go to Indy. Um, I love the town. Uh, I think it's it was definitely my favorite place to travel to last year for both not not only the game but also the combine. It's a fun town. A lot of great food. Uh, great places to go out and to, and to mingle with people. Um, it's it's just, it's a fun town, man. And then uh, the stadium itself is all is really good, but the press box is high up, man. Very yeah, that very is very up there. One of the highest, if not the highest, I've ever been in. And that includes baseball, and that's saying something because Nationals press box in DC is you have to duck when planes fly over. Um, I've, I've seen photos that Taylor Haas has taken from the San Jose Sharks press box. Hockey arenas are different, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, you're like staying in WCW sitting up there Dude. waiting. Yeah. 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 That's uh, yeah. Hockey arenas are different. I haven't, I haven't covered a hockey game before, but uh, yeah, no, in terms of football stadiums, baseball, baseball parks, I think Indies is probably the highest press box I've been to. Jedi, I'm not trying to tiptoe around anything. I'm saying if Ben Roethlisberger wants to talk about carrying the Steeler way and carrying all of that, I mean, you just, you just have to look at the multiple instances of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell acting up when they were Steelers under Ben Roethlisberger's leadership and all of that. That's yeah. all you have to look to. Look yeah. look at the facts. Just look at what's happened, what happened under Ben's watch in that respect Yeah, it when, has, when the Killer it, Bees were here. It has almost nothing to do with the off the field issues that happened in, in late 2000s and 2010. Like it, like it almost has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the allegations that have come out about Ben as a teammate and as a leader in the locker room. Yeah. That um, is what we're talking about. I got a break of news here. Alex Ooh. Highsmith is officially cleared from the concussion protocol. Game designation has changed and he is expected to play Saturday. That so is there from you go. Uh, Bert Lawton of Steelers PR. So there you go. Alex Highsmith now expected to play on Saturday. Look at that. If he gave us that 30 minutes ago, that would have been, that would have been cool. But you know, <laughs> it took a while. You never know. All right. Chris and I will be back tomorrow to talk more Steelers Colts. And we'll talk about the actual game. Um, yeah. there's, your, there's your breaking news to end the show. Alex Highsmith out of the concussion protocol cleared to play on Saturday. And he is expected to play per Steelers so PR. The only one questionable is Isaac Samalo, and he told you that he's going to play. Yes, so the only one that literally could, should be out on Saturday is Kenny Pickett. So Not too bad. Not too bad. If you're if you're looking for at least some sort of optimism going in, at least they're appearing to be healthy. Appearing yep. to be. All right, as, D- as healthy as it can be. Yep. DK and Ramon in about 30 minutes. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the football game that will happen Saturday. He's Chris Halleck. I'm Corey Christen. This has been the Southside Beat. Cheers, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow.